This documentary is why I never want to take Daisy to a park ever. I never want to be outside with her. <laughs> Did you need this document? Like, wasn't that always kind of, that's not new, right? <laughs> Hey, Patrick Hines, banana. How are you, girl? I'm, you know, great. Fine. Yeah. I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> don't worry about it. I just have a lot of mixed feelings about a lot of things, like about the documentary, about my life. <laughs> Existential shit creeped in today. It's been a day. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> Who cares? You guys, if you want more GP and me, join us on the Patreon. It's over 150 full bonus episodes to download a bitch right now. That's at the $5 level, you guys. Yeah, and we have more than the $5 level. Like, there's a lot happening on the page. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we just wrapped up the vow, you guys. We are getting into Martha Moxley. I did not know anything about the death, the murder, the brutal murder of Martha Moxley. Did you know? I did not know, but your mom, like, you had some connection to this case somehow. I got to get the details from my mom. My mom lived in Greenwich at the time that this happened and I think that she I don't know if she knew them personally or what but my mom was like my mom was in the town basically like look real hard at the background photos you'll see my mom in there. your mom is Ethel Kennedy is what you're don't- saying <laughs> But it's every series you've ever wanted us to cover, you guys. It's Don't Have With Cats, Tiger King, uh, The Staircase, Serial, Lorena, Making a Murderer. The Jinx, Menendez Brothers. Lacey Peterson. They're all there. <laughs> Girl, anything else from you this week? No, this documentary was all over the place. We got to get to work because I don't know how we're going to do this. It's like three documentaries in one. Nothing made any sense. You loved it. I didn't. Shall we? <laughs> Ritual is back. Look, I've got one question for you, girl. One question. What? Do you know what's in your multivitamin? Actually, that's a trick question because I know you do because you take the ritual, but I'm asking the listeners. Right. Here's the thing. If you asked me that a couple years ago, I'd say, wait a second, what? No, I most certainly do not. But with ritual, I absolutely do. So there are sugars, GMOs, synthetic fillers, artificial colorants. No, no, no. There's none of that in ritual. It's clean. It's vegan friendly. It's made with key nutrients and forms your body can actually use by the way, and no shady extras. It's my favorite thing. And here's the thing. You've been taking it for forever, so give me two adjectives for how it makes you feel. I was going to say fresh. Like, it makes me feel like so fresh and so clean. <laughs> the peace of mind is invaluable. It's priceless to me to know exactly I can read what I'm putting in my body every day. That's really, really, really important to me. It also makes healthy habits easy, you guys. It's a multivitamin that is delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. It's like, Ritual, you've been with us from the beginning. I love you so much. I know. It does feel like coming home again. You guys, you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash TCO to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash TCO. You guys, go get your ritual on. You're going to feel great. talking about today we're talking about missing 411 yeah <laughs> the, <laughs> the disdain girl the disdain it's not i'm not a monster i want everything to be solved speaking of on brand i want yes. ev- i don't want anyone missing i want to i want everything to be solved 
but this documentary is missing like a through like it doesn't there was like a lot happening and I was like wait one case should be its own documentary what's going on there's like a lot but you loved it so here we are I always love this shit I mean of course I don't want anyone to be missing either this is all about kids that go missing in state parks and like I cannot imagine a torture worse than like your child going missing truly I feel for these parents I mean my god mm-hmm. my heart grew seven sizes today girl but you know I think it's well made and these stories are really interesting but yeah they're the whole time I was watching it, I was like, Jillian hates this. I just know it. And again, I say, not a mother, but you don't need to be a parent to give a shit about kids. According to state police, there are 41 missing children. At least they have an idea of where he was last seen. Follows them for a point, but then turns around and goes back. There's no clothing, there's no blood, there's nothing there. It makes any sense to this case whatsoever. It's something. I called every name I could. I listened. I wanted the media to be on my son, not on me. Why are they acting this way? Are they concealing something? Doesn't matter who thinks you're a murderer, we need to find your son. And here was this little toddler with absolutely no clothes on at all. Across my desk, that's an exact match for what we've talked about. We're talking about a worldwide collective of information. Everybody wants an answer. Hopefully someday we'll come up with it. There's just too many questions that don't have answers. So it opens really with a 911 call from July 10th, 2015. And it's a woman calling from a camping place near another place called Ledor. It's a camp. We know campsite. (laughs) Right. Now we're just caricatures of our city selves. We know what a campsite is. I said cow cage in one of the Unsolved Mysteries episodes. That didn't even occur. Like, I didn't even hear. I was like, right. The cow. Right. What do they call it? It's the thing. Like, also, if it's not a cow cage, what is it? I still haven't gotten to the bottom of that. So this woman is saying that her son is missing. Um, my two-year-old son, um, we can't find him. How long has he been missing? About four. An hour? Yeah. Are you by water? Yes. Do you know which campground you're in? Uh, Timber Creek. Hold on. I gotta say, and other people say this later, like, the lack of urgency on both sides of this call. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, the mom gets dragged for this, but I sort of, I don't love this family. Right. (laughs) Um, So I'm not going out of my way to defend anyone here, but to me it just seems like... You, you never know. You know what I mean? But you yeah. never know. Sometimes, like, when you're terrified, like, I think if I called 911 and something terrible happened, I yeah. think I would be, I would be, like, shaky, but I would be, like, trying. Like, I don't, I would not be hysterical, but that doesn't mean that I'm not scared. That 911 call would go like this. 911, what's your emergency? Hello, it's Jillian Pensavalli. The address of the bar is 921 Ninth Avenue. I've just seen my podcast partner fall into a batch of frozen margaritas. We right. are going to need someone here now. Now, I don't know if he's breathing. It was a death drop. It was, no, no, he's not dead. It's called a death drop. Don't you want, it's called a death drop. <laughs> How has this emergency not happened yet? I feel not taken care of. Because we haven't seen each other in a year. (laughs) I know exactly how it happened. So we meet this guy named Nate Eaton. Yeah, he's a news reporter and you're in love with him, right? You think he's super cute? I think he's fine. Whatever. All right. Jeez. Now, yeah, I'm the asshole for assuming you thought someone was cute. Yeah, it's me. No, my thing with Nate is that Nate is like... News in Idaho Falls is kind of slow. Not a lot of big things happen here. Well, Nate, why is that where you wanted to report the news then, girl? Like, I thought news people were like, gotta be where the action happens. Nate's like, I'm moving to the place where there's no news and I'm gonna report it. Well, I think maybe he started there. (laughs) But he's still there, 
girl. It's true. <laughs> he was like, yeah, like nothing. I'd only been here a few weeks and then this story happened and it ended up being the biggest of my career. So. I know. <laughs> and then we meet Frank, who's a private investigator hired by this missing boy's family. And he is immediately like. But it just didn't make sense that he did not find anything. Uh, footprints, uh, pieces of flesh, pieces of clothing. Nothing makes sense at all. And that's kind of, he just stays right at the I don't like it. I don't buy it vibe from beginning to end. Yeah. Frank, who was hired by the family to investigate this thing we're about to tell you about, has no fucking loyalty to this family. <laughs> and should he? We'll no. get back to it. <laughs> I say no. I say he should. It's all every Frank for themselves. I know. I, I have a note. I said, girl, it's been a minute since we've gotten to talk about how much PIs love their jobs. You think Frank loves his job, girl? I think he loves his job mostly. He didn't like this job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... We learned. <laughs> I gotta tell you, sometimes like monotone on fire, Jillian is the best. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. No, it's just very like because it shows you how sincere you are, how much you mean it. <laughs> So we learned that, like, what has happened here is that this two-year-old boy named Dior Kuntz Jr. disappeared on July 10th, 2015. Mm -hmm. And this happened in the Salmon Chalice National Forest. And we learned that, like, this camping place that they go to is very remote. It's remote. Your cell phone is going in and out. You're on a gravel road at first, but then it turns very rocky. And when I say rocky, I mean big boulders. Well, once you leave the pavement, I think it's... A little over seven miles of uh, a pretty rough road. The only way to get to this, we call it a campsite? It's, yes. It's, it's a, a campsite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did go camping one time, and we were toasting marshmallows, and like a molten marshmallow fell on the top of my hand, and I said never again. Yeah. That, that, like, that was your big like tragedy at camping. You didn't like fall into a lake. Like, no. Just like, oh, the Marshmallow burned me, Steve. <laughs> I was like eight. Oh. It was horrible. Then why are you near fire as a child? You know what? <laughs> I know. So now to get to this campsite, you have to drive seven miles of what they spent 10 minutes telling us right. that it's like really, really rough road. It's really, it's a really dangerous road that you have to drive over for seven miles to get through this super desolate campsite. And someone even says it's like, and then you get to the campground and it just kind of dead ends. Like you just like drive this like really rocky, dangerous, desolate road until like you get to the end of it. And then there's like a desolate campground. Great. Sounds fun. And the guy tells us once you reach the campsite to where they were at, the Timber Creek campground, it kind of just dead ends and you get out and there's the campsite. There's a table. There's a fire pit. 10, 20 feet away, there's a steep hill that goes to the creek. So it's like the table, the fire pit, and 20 feet away from where everyone is supposed to be like hanging out, having a nice time. Yeah. There's a st very, very steep hill that goes into the creek. So it's just like a danger pit. Like you can fall right. down the 20 foot <laughs> steep hill into the creek right. or just be murdered because you're in the actual middle of nowhere. <laughs> Sounds fun. Why don't we go camping more? It, the problem is definitely us. We don't get what's awesome about camping, girl. You know what? We're not invited because no one wants to deal with us on the 22-mile drive into nowhere. And then us sitting there, the bugs, it's cold, it's too hot, and then it's too cold, and there are bugs. And is, oh, is this is this what we're eating? I, oh. I know. 
Oh, is this where we're sleeping? I know. Oh, I'm, like we are like we're not invited camping. Like, no. I, I'm glad we don't want to go because no, we're not invited. <laughs> so we learn this family. They arrive on the evening of July 9th. It's Thursday night. It was late. It was dark. And they said they immediately went to bed. So here's who's here, right? Yeah. It's Dior Sr., who's the dad, and Jessica. They're the parents. They're young. They're like probably in their 20s, right? Because their yeah. kid is two. Yeah. And they're they're engaged. Yes. Bob is Jessica's grandfather. Not her father, her grandfather. Yes. So Jessica's young. And Isaac, who <laughs> is Bob, like Grandpa Bob's buddy, who at the very last minute yeah. was invited and just joined at the very last minute. This guy is a piece of work. We're going to get to him eventually. But the news guy tells us that like- From day one, law enforcement told us that all of the people at the campsite were considered persons of interests just because they were simply there. What happens is this family goes into the woods. The next day, the two-year-old's going to go missing, and nobody saw a thing. Yeah, they're all persons of interest to the law enforcement and to me, girl. Right, and we meet Jamie, who's a friend of the family, and she's like... They got Grandpa settled in the camp trailer. They slept in the back of the Suburban, got up the next morning, and then he realized how rural it was. You know, they were basically at the end of the road. Thought it was a pretty safe place, you know? Cliffs on all kind of all the way around, not really any way for him to get out, you know? Everything she says, I'm like, opposite of safe. Check, opposite of safe, opposite of safe. That is exactly what I said. Again, I said I don't know what episode, but it's like, when you go camping, you either find the skull or you become the skull. That's the rule. <laughs> So the next morning, because they get there in the middle of the night, the next morning they wake up to do whatever it is you do when you go camping. And right. Jessica had to go into town to get like tampons or pads or whatever. They keep saying it like feminine products, like something right. to whisper about, whatever. Right. So she goes and gets whatever she needs and to get candy for Dior, the kid. And then yeah. they head back to the campground and Bob and Isaac, so Grandpa Bob and his buddy who just came at the very last minute, they're like showing off the fish they caught in the creek. Yeah. And so this whole scene is kind of important because this is when the little kid goes missing. So Dior, the dad, Dior Sr., like, doesn't believe the fish they caught. He's like, no way. Like, show me where you caught these fish. I don't believe you. Yeah. So Dior Sr., the dad, Jessica, the mom, Isaac, the weirdo friend, they walk 100 <laughs> feet away is what we're told. Then they turn around and they're like, hey, two-year-old little Dior, would you like to come with us? Then he follows them for a little bit. And then according to the cops, little Dior, like, turns around by himself and everyone, the mother, the father, and weirdo Isaac, just like assume that he went down with Grandpa Bob. My question is this. In what universe do you ask a two-year-old to do anything? I know. You don't ask. You grab him by the hand and say, you're not leaving my side. Who asks a two-year-old what they want to do? But I think the idea is the family, like, they let him wander back to Grandpa. Grandpa, like, says, yes, he did wander back to me. At some point, he, he tells us that. And now we're with weirdo Isaac and the mom and the dad down at the riverbed. And this all happens very fast. Like, the dad goes back up to find the son. The son's not there. He asks Grandpa, where's the son? Where's Lil Dior? And Grandpa Silver, he's right there. Of course, he's not there. Now it's all hands on deck. Everyone is in a panic. They cannot find this kid anywhere. They search for like an hour and then make the calmest 911 call on record. Oh. And we're we're cutting back to the PI that the, the family eventually hired to figure out what happened. And he's already spilling the tea. He's like, Grandfather claims he didn't go inside his trailer. But I believe he did. So, like, just to get the timeline really crystal clear, the kid was with Grandpa. The Grandpa, like, turns his head for a minute or two or whatever, and then the kid is gone. But I think everyone kind of thinks the Grandpa's lying about this timeline. I don't think he 
was paying attention at all. Right. Because like to me, like how I heard it, I heard him be like, oh, he's right there. Oh, uh, what? We are going to come back to this story like throughout, right? Yeah. So like yeah, the yeah. whole point of this documentary is that little kids going missing in national parks is a thing that has been happening for like a century. And so we get a bunch of these stories interspersed. Travel down the road and back again. Girl, talk space is back. You guys, whenever I talk to people about why they don't go to therapy, they always say it's too expensive. But let's have some real talk, you guys. How much do you spend on your daily coffees or another sweatsuit that you don't need? And is that stuff more important than your mental health, you guys? With Talkspace, you can take care of your mental health without dipping into your savings account. Yeah, this is why I love Talkspace. So with Talkspace, you can sign up online or download the app and start therapy that same day with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. So depending on the plan you choose, you can message and schedule live video sessions with your therapist and you'll pay the same amount every month so it's super easy to budget. That's why we've always loved Talkspace. It's affordable. They've got this vast therapist network. They take matching you with your therapist super seriously and it's secure, you guys. They use the latest end-to-end encryption technology to store client info. Like, you can't beat Talkspace, girl. Yeah, everyone should be able to work on their mental health. I'm over this whole barrier to entry thing. Absolutely not. It should be affordable. It should be available for all and here we are. You guys, look, everyone should have a Jillian in their life, but talking to our friends is so different from talking to a licensed therapist who has the expertise and knowledge to give us practical guidance. Talkspace gives us the support we need at an affordable price. And as a listener of TCO, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app and make sure to use code TCO to get $100 off your first month and, you know, show support for the show. But this is about you. This is not about us. We love you. You guys, that's TCO and Talkspace.com. Yeah, I thank you for the compliment, but I super love therapy. So I'm like, yeah, girl, take that to your therapist. (laughs) So now we're back to August 15th, 1958. We're at Rocky Mountain National Park and Bobby Bizup is 10 years old. And he's at this camp, like this Camp St. Malo, it's called, right? Yeah, and we learned that like he's also partially deaf, right? And he loved to fish. So one day in August of that year, he's like out fishing at this camp and a counselor approached him and tells him that it's time for dinner. Bobby acknowledged the counselor and started to follow him downhill towards the retreat. As the counselor was walking back, he turned behind him to look and Bobby was gone. And so, of course, the same thing. Panic. The search starts. So tons of people are involved. They're pulling out all the stops. And on August 25th, after nine days of searching day and night, hundreds of people, the search ends. So there were three counselors who were involved in that search. The following summer, those same counselors came back to that camp and were there again to be counselors. That's what you do. So one day they're like 2000 feet away from where this camp is. Yeah, they're walking up into like a boulder field. A boulder field is a word I learned today. Is it a two-word hyphenate? Is it two separate words or is it just one word? I think it's two separate words, I think. But I, I've i been wrong on this count before. So Hey, d- don't quote us when it comes to the outside. If you've learned nothing in five zillion episodes of this. The whole idea of this boulder field is that, like, in the middle of these national forests, like, you'll see, like, an aerial shot of mm-hmm. thousands of acres of trees. And then there's this one area of that that has no trees and it's full of rocks. And they call it a boulder field. And that's where these counselors were. And it was 2,000 feet up. It's basically like a 2,000 feet up the mountain from where that kid had been fishing the year before. And one day they walked up the side of Mount Mika right through the boulder field, about 2,000 feet up from the retreat, and saw a hearing aid and bits of clothing. They found Bobby Bicep's remains. 
And so the whole like bum 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 moment is that whatever happened the summer before, the counselor came to tell him it was time for dinner. The counselor walks one minute down the hill, turns around, this kid is gone. And somehow, by a year later, the remains of this kid are found 2,000 feet up a sheer cliff, kind of, in the middle of a boulder field. And everyone is just saying it would have been absolutely impossible for him to have gotten there on his own. And the summer before, they searched that boulder field three times and the remains weren't there. And also where it is, it's so hard to get to that Bobby did just like wander off and get lost. That's just not what happened. Yeah. And like this shit doesn't make any sense because every time I'm like, well, the counselor killed the kid, right? Like the counselor did some horribly sexually violent thing to the kid and then murdered him. Like that's definitely what happened, right? But then it's like, no, because the counselor is accounted for that night at dinner. And then Bobby, like, how did he get there? Yeah, they were all searching for him. So that's right. where that's their alibi. They were yeah. all in the search party. Because, like, for me, the most logical answer to all of these is, like, well, they killed the kid, right? I mean, like, right. that's just, like, the thing. But, like, the point is this shit happens a lot. And it's a very weird thing. And we don't know why it's happening. <laughs> so now we're back to the Kuntz case. You know, the, the little two-year-old that, like, is going to be the one that follows us throughout. Yes. And we're learning about the search. And, like, I got to say, this is what always gets me. When we see see these like people that their only job is to find missing people and they really fucking care and it's like people from all different kinds of like law enforcement and search and rescue and like random just people and they tell us that like you know everyone said take five steps look up look down look around take five steps look up look down and around and that's what we do i mean it yeah there's a lot of area up there there's people everywhere i mean there's 200 plus searchers up there the day after he went missing on saturday you know, there's, there, there's people everywhere. These people were crawling through the creek looking for this kid. They find nothing. They say they're checking wolf dens, bear dens, and eagle's nest because the kid was so little that a bald eagle could have picked the kid up and flown away with him, girl. Yet bald eagles can, like, swoop down and pick up something weighing 30 pounds. And I'm like, oh, that's how much two-year-olds weigh. Interesting. I, I, didn't, I have no concept about, like... My other thing, am I a total fucking monster for my biggest note here is, like, I am not searching a bear den for somebody else's kid. I'm like, this is what I'm going to need my five minute break i'll be over here sam could you take the bear den for me yeah another another lesson bears they will bear they are right. going to bear so i don't know about that but the, the point is they're like bobcats and mountain lions and all these other animals and like there wasn't even any evidence of an animal attack either like little dior just vanished and then they start turning the attention to the parents and yeah. then they try to turn the parents against each other because someone's got to talk someone's got to know something here law enforcement continually told us that all of the individuals were being cooperative. They were all questioned individually and together and that they were working with them. There wasn't any sort of uh, red flag that the police were saying that were pointing them toward one specific individual. Even the dad here is saying like, I get it. Like, of course we are like going to be the primary suspects, but like, you know, we're going to learn throughout this documentary that like, show me the evidence the kid was ever there at all. You know what I mean? I think this case has nothing to do with the other cases that we discuss. I think Uh this case has nothing to do with Bobby from 1958 and the other cases we talk about. This should be its own thing. So three days after Dior went missing, the parents leave the campground, they head home, and they like just show up at Reporter Nate's studio. Oh my God. Reporter Nate, like this is the biggest interview of his life. He totally fucks it up. These two, Jessica and Dior Sr., are a fucking mess. Like they've been sleeping in this campsite for four days. He's like, they haven't changed. They're dirty and stinky, of course. Like, they've been looking for their fucking kid in creek beds and bear dads. And Nate's like, here's the thing about being a journalist. Right. <laughs> we sat down, and as I do with any interview, 
especially with a distraught parent, you want to show compassion and kindness, but you also want to find out if they they might have anything to do with with his disappearance. And I'm like, it's quite a dance, Nate. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight, you're up. Let's see how it goes. Because we see the footage of this interview meeting. Like, did this end up on the six o'clock news? I don't know. And it's like this guy, Nate, is like wanting to like be the respectable journalist. His first question, his first question to the parents of this missing child. Do you know, did somebody have a vendetta against you? I mean, do you, I, I'm sure We've you've gone through your mind. Racking we our have brains. been racking our brains and I don't know anybody that doesn't have a few people that either you like you or you hate you. But, I but don't, not to harm a two-year-old, almost three-year-old. Not three to harm us this way. Does anyone have a vendetta against you? And let me tell you, their answer is like, uh, yeah, doesn't everybody? And I'm like, yes, yeah. But, but their point is like, absolutely, we have enemies. Tons of them. But like, not, in, not, not an enemy at the level where they'd want to like hurt us this way and take our son. But of course we have enemies. Who doesn't? I know, I know. These people have not had media training. It was like, wrong answer, parents. Parents, wrong answer. And so, you know, this is where we're looking at the parents for a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. And the grandmother, Jessica's mother says, like, everybody wants to know why she was so calm on that 911 call. And I went, me too, girl. I kind of really want to know. And then we kind of, like, mom shame Jessica or, like, just shame Jessica. They want us to think that she was, like, a bad mother who hated children. And I know that she had her tubes tied and singed so she could never have reverse, never have another child. And I think she did that because she didn't want children but there was evidence that she was uh, had a hard time beating with kids. She would leave her kid at daycare and leave him unattended many times. And I've talked to many people that, uh, that brought that out. They're like, oh, she left Dior, like little Dior unattended constantly. And I'm like, wait, how? I know. What? Like, can we, what does that mean? Right. I know. I know. She committed the cardinal sin of putting him in daycare. This is all, by the way, coming from the private investigator hired by them. I know. You guys, this private investigator has no allegiances to anybody. Shit goes real <laughs> south real quick. We'll get totally. there. But also Jessica has two kids from a previous marriage and they visit every other weekend. So we just get like 10 different stories. And I'm like, what are you trying to say here? Right. Because it's also like, you can be a parent and not love being a parent every fucking second that you're doing it. Yeah. I, you know what I, I mean? I, I've, from what I've heard, you guys don't sleep ever. You <laughs> eat standing up. <laughs> right? I eat standing up a lot, girl. <laughs> Because of the kid. <laughs> I know. So, you guys, we're going to get the story of this kid named Jared Atadero, and this story breaks my fucking heart. I think about this all the time, and I blame the Christian singles. We'll get there, but I blame the Christian singles. I am incensed about... <laughs> okay. All right. So... Uh... You guys, I'm telling you, if you're a Christian single, she's fucking mad at you right now, and you don't want to be there. You really don't want to be there, you guys. <laughs> because right now, it's like, if there's one, it's, if it's one of you, it's all of you. I, like, by, guilty by association like this story is so insane also patrick and jillian have no actual problems with christian singles great just don't do this <laughs> don't do what we're about to tell you yeah this is bananas so we meet this guy alan atadero he's jared's father so this guy alan he owns a store at this resort and this resort is like a place where you come to go do the camping it's closer to the kind of camping we like because it's like a cabin and a main building right. <laughs> kind of so thing hot water and a stove yeah like electricity yeah Netflix, probably. That's camping. Yeah, that counts. Totally. So in the fall of 1999, a Christian singles group was staying at the lodge. So these sexy singles decide, let's have a really rocking time. They're going to go to the <laughs> trout hatchery because nothing says find your soulmate like an afternoon at the trout farm. <laughs> 
It really gets you in the mood. I grew up, there's like a famous, you're not, you're going to not know what this is at all. Oh God. There's a famous herring run on Cape Cod. A what? <laughs> you guys, Google Brewster herring run. I, I grew up really near it. It's a thing. I don't know. I grew up in a coastal town. It's a thing. You help the herring get up the stream and it's a thing that we all used to do. So I kind of understand going to the salmon hatchery or wherever these people are going. It's fun. Great. Sounds wonderful. So then suddenly, which is completely out of the aesthetic of this documentary, there's this like yeah. super weird over the top reenactment. Hey, Alan. Several of the people that I knew quite well. So I, I gave permission for Jocelyn to go, not knowing that Jared would be saying, gee, dad, if she can go, why can't I go too? Can Jocelyn and like your three-year-old little boy come along? You got your sexy singles looking for your soulmate or just some fun, whatever, no judgment. Have a great time. (laughs) At the trout hatchery, why do you want to bring two kids with you? And one of them is three. I know, this doesn't make any sense. And so the dad is like, well, Mm -hmm. Jared was a little young, but okay. You're only going two miles away, fine. I know these people. Uh But you guys, you guys, you guys, instead of going the two miles away to the trout hatchery, they drive 16 miles miles to what is described as a moderate trail for hiking and they tell us that like you could take a kid on it as long as you kept the kid in line and hung on to him because there were some areas where the ledges were only 24 inches wide and you had loose shale all the way down to the river so and then there was rock fields being a moderate trail it's pretty tough it can if you're not in shape it'll take take it out on you we see the trail yeah. the river which is like 10 feet to the right the water is going 70 miles an hour down this river like this is not a safe place the more one of the we have like a hiking expert or whatever the more they describe this trail the worse it is it's like sometimes the trail was only two feet wide with steep hills yeah. just waiting for someone to fall down it here's my question that makes me fucking furious yeah how on earth again like you're there for like a singles weekend you decide to take <laughs> a six-year-old and a three-year-old to I the know. trout hatchery and then you take them 15 like in what you universe did all 30 of you think it was okay to not only take a three-year-old to a trout farm that's fucked that's stupid anyway but then you take somebody else's three-year-old child 15 miles away from where the parent thinks they are and it's not like the safe fucking boring i'm sorry i love science i love animals it's like i get it but like that's a safe space for a three-year-old look at the trout look at the fish eggs whatever then they're going 15 miles away down this like hike of death who thought this was okay like i just i they should all be arrested like they're all like i don't believe i can't believe what i'm hearing i I I can't believe this all all of them Oh, Mary and Joe, they were all like, yeah. Rose of Sharn. Right, yeah, everyone. Yeah. yeah, Mary Sue and Alice. Yeah, they were all like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring the six and the three-year-old 15 miles away from where their father thinks they are. And it's a I treacherous know. mountain. And you know, by the way, this weekend was like 28 women and two guys. God, please. The guys who were roommates. Okay. I know. Again, have fun. Have a great weekend away. I know. But I like, know. What, what are you doing? This is what makes me me insane Ugh. because like it's one woman who basically is like in charge of the three-year-old jared and she all of a sudden we get the story that they're on the trail as jared as a three-year-old is is running and playing and having a good time and i believe there was something 10 to 20 minutes worth of time that she lost track um the adult realized i haven't seen him for a while 
They're on the trail. They get separated because he's going faster. Anybody who has a three-year-old knows they don't walk. They fucking either lie on the ground and refuse to move or run everywhere. There is no walking. You okay, girl? Getting some flashbacks? Getting some flashbacks here? You all right? It's okay. She's not here. She can't hurt you now. There's no walking. It's running or refusing to move. And so the adult and Jared get separated. She lets him run off like 25 feet in front of her, which all fucking children that age do. Mary Sue's looking around like she's just like having a grand old time. She's not used to being a parent, obviously. And then she realizes it's been 10 minutes since she's seen the kid. And that was when I lost my fucking mind. Because the thing is, I'm blaming Mary Sue for all of this. She's the ringleader, no question. Because she was the one who was like, I'll lead the pack and she was the one at the like the only reason Jared was at the front of the crew was because Mary Sue dragged him like led him there and then they like didn't stay with the pack they were just going faster anyway and then this bitch Mary Sue I hate you wherever you are she's like ooh um it's been like 20 minutes I haven't seen the three year old I took on this hike against his will I know I'm losing my mind and then apparently Jared like alone like three year old little Jared just like comes upon some fishermen by himself and then this is like so like oh my god this little kid just like wanted to explore because he says to the fisherman like do you know where the bears are which to be fair to this day I'm 22 years old I would ask if anyone's seen a bear (laughs) is there a bear I could pet is there like a cool dangerous animal I could be friends with like I get it he's three but that's who last saw him fisherman because he wandered away from Mary Sue I hate you Mary Sue I hope you hear me this is where I have in my notes murder these people I don't believe in capital punishment except for now Mary Sue you know what I'll lead her into the woods and just see how (laughs) she likes it. Mary Sue, I hope you're listening. I hate you. I hope I keep you up at night. I hope my voice is what keeps you up at night. Girl, third love is back. Look, I'm going to mix it up this month. I'm going to throw some truth bombs at you. Okay, what else have you learned about the bras? Third love bras are designed to be your perfect fit. They have a one perfect fit promise. More on that in a second. Bras start at $45, you guys, and they have more than 80 sizes. Yeah, and the thing is, $45 is an amazing deal for a really, really high quality bra that you know is going to be comfortable and you can always send it back if you need to. Like, that's the thing. Like, you're paying for so much and it's only $45. And especially if you've suffered all of your life, like all of my girlfriends, every woman I know has struggled with the bra. So let me tell you about the Fit Finder quiz, which I took once. You correct me if I'm wrong, girl, but they ask you questions about like your body and how your bras fit and what doesn't work about other bras for you. And they do all of that to customize a bra to your body. I think you're absolutely right to say that you know so many women in your life who have struggled with bras because we don't have the same breast issues. So like, I know that your sister had a different situation with her bras. I had a different one. And that I think is so true. And that's the thing about Third Love. You take this Fit Finder quiz and in seconds you're like, yep, the strap, yeah, digs in in the back, yeah, don't like that. I have it on the first hook, the third hook, and it speaks a language that now you are well versed in. But we know, bra wearers, we know and we know the struggle and Third Love is here to take that struggle away. Everyone I know who switched to Third Love makes it their first love. It's my tagline. (laughs) You guys, Third Love knows there's a perfect fitting bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash TCO right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash TCO for 10% off today. Say it with me, girl. Third love, you're, you're my, my first, first love. love. <laughs> that sounds like a 50s doo-wop song. Totally. <laughs> 
girl, Ember Wave is back. I've got a question for you. What's up? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're going to the movies, you're on a flight, you're staying at a friend's house, and you're not in control of the temperature? And if you've been in that situation, have you panicked? I was going to say so many times I can't even tell you, and the answer is yes. I've been so miserable and so uncomfortable. Because one, you don't want to like complain if you're at somebody's house, right. but also you hate every second of it. Here's where Ember Wave comes in. Ember Wave is this like sleek looking bracelet, you guys, that really helps you regulate your own body temperature. I swear to God they made it just for me, but I'm willing to share it with you. Because I am hot all the time. Same. It's like true crime musicals being hot all the time is what we bonded over. <laughs> Especially at night, like I'm a really hot sleeper. Same. It keeps me up. Like it's hard for me to fall asleep when I'm overheated, but also because I'm a nightmare because I also have to be under covers. Like I'm hot, but I have to be under covers. So I put on the Ember Wave bracelet and there's this cooling sensation and suddenly I'm feeling it over my entire body and suddenly I'm like, oh, now I can go to sleep. Perfect. You guys, it sounds like magic. I did not think it was going to work. It truly works. It was developed by MIT scientists. Like, that's how you know this stuff is legitimate. It's the real deal. We are obsessed with Ember Wave in my house. I'm always hot. Steve is always cold. We both wear our Ember Waves all the time. But you don't have to take our word for it, you guys. Ember Wave has also been reviewed by a number of leading publications like Wired, Fast Company, Vogue, Men's Health, and CNBC. And also, you should use it for the stress relief, girl. And I'm talking directly to you. <laughs> because it has a cool, really meditative setting. I think you should work on that, too. Right now, Ember Wave is offering our listeners $50 off when you go to emberwave.com slash TCO. And that's E-M-B-R wave.com slash TCO. You guys, get your temperature regulated. Never get on a plane and panic again. <laughs> About the temperature, absolutely. Right. <laughs> So they can't find the kid. They go back to the resort. They go in and get Jared's dad. <laughs> this, is, this is insane. <laughs> I know. Mary Sue, like, knocks on the door. This horrible reenactment. We don't get reenactments I, like this before or since. And she's like, Alan, something is wrong. Right. We have to talk to you. This bitch, Mary Sue, I hate you. She's like, something's wrong. And they're like, Alan, we have to talk to you. Sure, you know, you know what, what's going on? And they said, um, uh, we had a problem with Jared. Well, what happened? Did he fall? Did he, you know, scrape his knee? Did he break his arm? What happened? And what they actually said to me was, he's okay, we just can't find him. Everything is fine. Jared is totally okay. We just don't know where he is. Also, we didn't go to the trout hatchery. We went 15 miles away to this treacherous mountain. But everything's <laughs> don't. fine. Don't worry about it. And then the dad, and you can see him like reliving it now. He like jumps in his truck. He is losing his fucking mind. I just kept beating myself in the chest like someone had stuck me with a sword. Just beating my chest and yelling. And I yelled and screamed in my truck all the way up the road. I don't even know how I got there. I drove that road probably twice as fast as anyone should even drive that road. He's driving a million miles an hour. He's yelling at himself for letting these people take his child. And he gets all the way up there and like, he's just going crazy. He's running up and down the trails looking for his kid. Eventually they get 65 search and rescue professionals, 24 hours a day looking for this kid for eight straight days. And they come up with nothing. And then three and a half years later, we have these like hiker BFFs. Oh my They're God. such an odd couple. I am obsessed with them. I thought they were totally husbands. I was like, what is happening here? Oh, I think they're just like the only people in each other's lives that like hiking. Hiking, but they're not totally. like super close. They just have this one thing in common. And so yes. we're talking to them and they tell us a story. Uh, this time we decided to go off trail and we just walked right into it. And uh, uh, and we knew right away that it, 
was probably Jared Adadero's clothes. They find this sneaker and clothes just like the kid in 1958. So I'm thinking, first of all, I have a lot to say here, but first of all, I'm like, yeah. how were these clothes not damaged by the elements? Three and a half years? It's a long time. So behind the camera, these two men, honestly, the one thing they have in common is hiking, and that's why they're friends, just to be totally. clear. <laughs> so behind the camera, we hear someone ask, Is there any way Jared could have climbed up to that spot on his own? So is there any way that Jared, the three-year-old, could have climbed up to that spot on his own? Not. No way. That's a hard one. No way. No way. Absolutely no way. He lived in a cabin in the Poudre. He's a three-year-old. There's no way. There's no way that would happen. Not all the way. I mean, it was a struggle for Gary and Eddie. Yeah. Very rough terrain. Rob, one of our hikers, is like, oh, my God. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Not a chance. Gary, his friend, is like, I don't know. That's a hard question. And Rob goes, Gary, he was three years old. And then he turns to us. He's like, don't listen to Gary. Jared totally couldn't have done this. They're like bickering. That was my favorite scene of the whole Thing. It's really great. The thing to know about these two guys, and I'm going to try not to like sob, they were part of the original search team three and a half years before, and they never stopped looking for this kid. Mm-hmm. They never stopped. Like, hiking is their hobby, right. but they were doing it with a purpose for three and a half years. They find a sneaker. That's the whole big thing. It's been three and a half years, you guys. They say the sneaker looked like it was just taken off that morning. They're like, I almost expected it to like be connected to a kid's foot. Like, it looked like a brand new sneaker. No way it's been out there for three and a half years. No way. And the whole point is like they've searched the same area over and over and over again. So like it's not like they missed it for three and a half years. Like this is a new placement. And it's Jared's sneaker. Just to be really clear, this is Jared's sneaker. And they say it's like there's no way it could have been there for three and a half years. They find his clothing and they find a tooth. One of his teeth like neatly placed in a log at the top of this ridge. It is fucking crazy. And I do appreciate them getting my mind off the horrible words, but they did say that the tooth was sitting atop a log and it distracted (laughs) me. So I want to say thank you for distracting me and making me smile for once in this documentary by using the word atop. Well played. You know, we get back to the dad and like the dad is saying, I hear constantly about a mountain lion. Yet when they tested Jared's clothing, there was no mountain lion hairs. No DNA, no blood, nothing on his clothing. They say that, like, what probably happened was he was grabbed by a cat, and the cat, like, holding Jared in his mouth, was scared away by all the people looking for him. The cat killed the little boy, buried him, and came back and got him later. And the dad is just here to debunk all of this. Because he's showing us the clothing. The shirt looks pristine. There's no cat hair on it. There's no blood. There's no DNA. There's nothing on it. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that, like, also when cats go to, like, kill humans, they go for the stomach. The shirt is fully intact. And first of all, mountain lions bury things. I know. I know, I know, I know. And, and Survivor Man is here? Like, where am I? I know. Like, the guy, like that show, Survivor Man? Wait, what is that? I don't know what that is. I can quote The Office where Michael Scott is like, when Jan and I had TiVo, we used to watch the show called Survivor Man where this guy just went into the wilderness and tried not to die. Dwight will be driving me deep into the Pennsylvania wilderness where he will then leave me to either die or to survive. Like, it's that guy. And he's here to, to be like, I know a thing or two about a thing or two about like surviving in the elements. And he's just here to say like. In a lot of these cases, search and rescue or the volunteers searching people have already gone over certain areas, not once, not twice, but even dozens of times. And then the child is found there 
maybe a year, maybe a few years later. I think whatever's happening is beyond our understanding. This Survivor Man guy is saying, like, what's going on here is something that is beyond our control. It's something that we don't understand. And, like, they don't say aliens, but I think that's what they're saying. Well, the, yeah, the whole thing, this is what a big issue I take with this documentary, is that they yeah. don't say that, like, they're alluding to supernatural spooky stuff. Yes, and yes, And I wish yes. they would say that from the beginning. And that's why the Dior, the little Dior story makes no sense to me, because I don't think there's right. supernatural stuff there. But the fact that, like, the clothes are showing up totally pristine three and a half years later, like, that's weird and scary. Yeah, it, it's totally fucking weird. And, like, uh -huh. also, like, the human story of this guy losing his son, and it's just so fucking sad. So we're back to, like, the main topic of the episode, the disappearance of that little kid Dior. Now, remember that guy, Isaac, the grandpa's buddy? Yes. So Isaac joined this camping trip very last minute. He's much younger than the grandfather. So I was imagining like grumpy old men. I was thinking like Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Can you believe I fucking knew who was in that movie? And Anne Margaret, how dare you? <laughs> um, and Kevin Pollock, like please. Da Daryl Hannah, I love grumpy. Focus, go focus, go focus. It's grumpy old men season. It's winter, let's go. Um, yeah, so no, like Isaac is an addict and he's a lot younger than the grandfather. And we get no information on the friendship. Like, how do they know each other? We get no information. It's very weird. Well, reporter Nate is on the job. We see his, like, little reporter piece and he tries to be all cute here, too, because he's like, I'm Nate, and I went to see Isaac the friend. So we went to his Idaho Falls house over and over Hello. and over again. Finally, early Monday morning, he answered the door. I paid a visit to his house over, knock, 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 over, <laughs> knock, 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 and over again. So Nate is trying to get to Isaac. Isaac is like not having it. Isaac right. finally answers the door days later. Like Nate goes back every single morning, every morning at 9 a.m. Ding, ding, ding. Hi, it's me. Hiya. And Isaac is like, yeah, sorry, I don't have any questions. And Nate's like, right, I have the questions, girl. Yeah, I don't have any questions. I'm sorry. You don't have anything you want to say? All right, sorry to wake you up. We just want to see if you have anything to say about Dior missing. I, I don't. You don't? I'm not calling. But wait a second. My note here, I was, I was like, this is a mess. So Isaac <laughs> is either sleeping it off or still fucking hammered. He's got the door open. He's like leaning like a half in, half out the door. Eyes fully closed. Yeah, he doesn't want to be on camera. No, and he's saying he doesn't want to answer any questions as he's answering every single question. Nate, like, because Isaac doesn't shut the door in his face, Nate is just like, <laughs> cool about that no comment thing. So, um, so little Dior was with you and the grandfather when he wandered away, and Isaac is like, yeah, no comment. And Nate's like, great. And you thought that little Dior was with the parents? And then you guys thought he was with the parents. Yeah. And the parents came back and he was gone. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I don't have, I don't, I can't, I don't want to answer any more questions or anything. And it's just this back and forth <laughs> over and over and over again. And Isaac is like clearly not well. He's an addict. They never get into the relationship between him and Bob, the grandfather. I know. And then it cuts to Frank, the PI, the guy with no loyalties to anybody, but still on the family payroll. And he goes, Strange thing about Isaac, he never searched for the boy. I interviewed Isaac. He's a strange duck. He's a strange duck. Accurate. You know what? Isaac also is a fucking sex offender. I know. And that's the whole thing where I was like, okay, well, now here we fucking go. But the thing is, we just know that it was reduced from a felony to a misdemeanor. We don't know the crime. We don't know what know. happened. Like, that's irresponsible storytelling. I'm sorry. Yes, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. Actually, I'm not sorry. I take it back. I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> You guys knew we were going to talk about this documentary one day. Sex offender? Like, that's important information. But 
But also, like, did the grandpa know that and he's bringing him on a family fucking camping trip anyway? And why was it so last minute? Was he like, oh, little kid's going? Can I come along? Like, what's happening? I know, I know. But guess what, you guys? Isaac, I'm not taking any questions, is now here for a fucking interview. We also have the grandfather just, like, doing an audio interview because he doesn't want his face to be seen or whatever. And it's, like, it's intercut back and forth. And again, it's, like, everyone is just telling the same thing, right? Right. It's the same story that we heard at the beginning. We don't have to go through it again. But, like, this is where the grandpa, we hear the grandpa saying... And the kid was there with me, but I turned my head for a minute. I don't know how long. Five, ten minutes. I don't know. I turned my head for five or ten minutes. Grandpa, that is not turning your head, girl. And five or ten... Yeah, that's that's it. That's the way to say it. It's not turning your head. And that's the thing. Like, are we, is the idea that the grandpa or Isaac or grandpa and Isaac killed the kid? And then my other question that I'm going to keep coming back to is show me the evidence the kid was ever there at all. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say is that, like, they all pretty much do have the same story. And I think that, like, in instances where people are lying, the stories are really discombobulated. Like, I don't believe that Jessica and Dior Sr. got together with this weird friend guy. What's his name? Isaac. And, like, memorized the story together. Like, it does seem like they all are telling the same story. You know what I mean? Girl, Helix is back. I know that you're obsessed with the Helix. You and Mike needed a new mattress, so this came at exactly the right moment, right? Yes, the absolute right. And I'm also a bad sleeper. Like, I need help sleeping. (laughs) Helix was here to help me. So Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. And if you have a partner, the sleep quiz, you can go, like, back and forth, where it's like, Jillian likes this, Mike likes this. So the thing is, the mattress can be matched to both of you. Right, so if you like sleeping in a really soft mattress or a firm, if you like to sleep on your side or your back or your stomach. If you sleep really hot like Jillian and me, there's a perfect Helix mattress for everybody, you guys. Yeah, I got the Midnight Lux. Let me tell you, I have not looked back. (laughs) They have this thing where you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. I don't know how many nights have passed. They've come and gone. I am not returning this. (laughs) But the thing is, they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. You totally will, but they got you. Right, so if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, you add on sheets or pillows if you want, whatever else you need for your bed, and then the mattress comes right to your door within 10 business days, and you never need to go to the mattress store again. I'm going to say this every time. Get the pillows. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash TCO, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Also, you guys, in addition to the 100 nights risk-free, they have a 10-year warranty. So you're covered with Helix, you guys. So Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash TCO. Did you hear how excited? I went up a couple octaves with the pillows. You guys, that's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash TCO for up to $200 off. Get your pillow on. Yeah, good night, everybody. Sleep well. So now, the important thing to know is that we have not met Jessica or Dior in the documentary. We've seen footage of them, but it seems like they're not really participating. And this is when Frank the PI is like... Every time somebody would come around who was part of the media, he would say, what blank blank are they doing here? Uh, Why are they here? And that bothered me. So why would they not want coverage? I knew that they were offered Nancy Grace for an hour. Good morning, America called them 
and they wouldn't go. They don't want to talk. And Frank, the PI, thinks that's weird. He's like, don't you want everyone to know about this story? Like, don't you want this to be out there? I mean, it is weird. Like, Nancy Grace is garbage, but like, right. they don't seem like discerning people to me. They also no. said like, good morning, America. And, I'm, and I'll tell you what, if Daisy went missing and Nancy Grace offered me an hour, I would be there with bells on, deleting all of our episodes where we said mean shit about her all the way. Like, Well, all of those things can be true. Right. She can be garbage, but you can also use her as a platform to talk totally. about your missing child. Totally. <laughs> right. And so, like, it is weird that they're not doing that. That really is fucking weird. So we're with Kelsey, the friend of Jessica, who's kind of been, like, Jessica's spokesperson throughout this episode. And you guys, this gets real weird real fast. Yeah, we're, like, talking to Kelsey. We're, like, right. there. And Kelsey... By the way, this interview is happening in her garage on, like, a blow-up couch. It's very weird. Like, the couch is on top of a lot of things. Like, I... <laughs> I'm just, I'm jealous that she has more storage than I do, honestly, if we're going to really go there. So as Kelsey is like, like, I personally want more coverage for this case. Like, I think they should be talking more. And Kelsey, by the way, we're making fun of your garage. You seem like a very good person. I like you, Kelsey. Again, I'm jealous of your storage space. I have none. <laughs> New York City. So as this is happening, someone like from behind the camera interrupts the filming. Kelsey? Hmm. Jess has been texting. I'm not sure she's happy about this. Jess, Dior's mom, has been like furiously texting about the fact that they're making a documentary and that Kelsey is talking about the situation. But Kelsey in the moment is non-pulsed. I'm going to use that word. Okay. She's like, girl, Jess said it was fine for me to do this. Like, why is everyone freaking out? Kelsey goes back to talking. You guys, we hear like a truck muffler pulling into her driveway. Kelsey knows the rumble of this muffler. <laughs> and she's like, that's not a euphemism, you guys. Right. She knows the rumble of the muffler. She goes, What's Dior? She gets up, but she's got the hot mic. She's got the hot mic. Oh, yeah. And so she goes out to talk to Dior, who we don't see on camera. We just no. hear this conversation, like, in the next room. Kelsey, like, instantly bursts into tears. What the f*** is going on? What the f*** are you doing? She's having what a f***ing case. Everything was fine today. I was, uh, dude, I called. Oh, you, I anything, I called honey. you. You didn't do I anything. Don't... I know. You didn't do anything, man. You're fine. I, I didn't want to help. Out. You're fine, honey. She's going through her shit. She's like, why is she yelling at me? She knew I was going to do this. I told her. And I'm like yelling at you via text. Like, wow, real scary. And Dior is like, I told Jess she really doesn't like this idea. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, what? what is it? There's a lot of confusion here. Because again, it's like they're making a documentary about your missing kid, Jessica. Why don't you like this? And this is where we hear Dior Sr., the dad, saying, She's fine, but she's not. And a lot of it is Jessica's very impressionable. Yeah. So what she's fine with right now, all she got to do is talk to her mom. Her mom can talk her into doing anything. And if her mom is, I don't trust her mother. I don't trust that Bob and Isaac can have something to do with this. And I don't trust that her mother, Trina, is not trying to hide that as well. So Like, we are getting all this shit, like, off mic. And Dior is like, Kelsey, you didn't do anything wrong. He's Now he's talking to the crew. He's like, you guys didn't do anything wrong either. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. <laughs> and everyone's like, we know Dior. Dior, like, wants to run every show. And the crew is like, we know, girl. I know yeah. we didn't do anything wrong. I I mean, I like Dior. I feel bad for him. Like, next thing we know, bada bing, bada boom, we're in Jessica and Dior's house, and they're finally sitting for a fucking interview for us. Right, but this is when... We learn Frank the PI fires them. He's like, look. Fired them as clients and we see the breakup letter. And the letter says, for reasons including but not limited to a break of trust on your part. And he's like really upset that like they refused to take this case national. He was like, I was going to help you and spend my own money, put up a $20,000 reward on the condition you were honest with me. You have not been honest with me. Now you're fired. That's it. Yeah. And like, what? Oh my God. It's like, I don't understand. Like Jess and Dior, everyone wants to find your kid. Why don't you want to participate? 
And so this is kind of what Jess and Dior are here to tell us. And like Dior is saying, I wanted the media to be on my son, not on me, not on Jessica, because that doesn't help find him. Everything I would say would be twisted. He's talking and he's believable, but it doesn't make any sense what he's saying. Like, yeah, the words make sense. Of course we're looking at the parents. Of course we're looking at the father, but yeah. the correct emotions aren't behind it. Does that make sense? To a million percent. And I just wonder if, I'll just spill the tea. My guess is that there was some accident happened. The kid was died not on purpose. I don't know who was there. I don't know whose fault it was. I don't even know that it was at the campsite. Like maybe it happened mm -hmm. somewhere else. I completely agree with you. And that maybe they staged this camping trip to make it look like he went missing there. But at the same time, I believe these other weird occurrences of these kids going missing in these other places and times. Again, there are two documentaries happening at once. This case with Dior has nothing to do with the other weird, probably supernatural, maybe supernatural stuff. This yeah. is completely, completely different. And so maybe like as Dior Sr. is sitting here for this interview, he maybe knows what happens or think he knows what happens and doesn't know if he should be loyal to the family or if he like, it's a very weird, like what the fuck is is happening here but also fascinating it's why i love this movie because as like dior and jess are explaining all like what you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't this is why we don't talk to the media then suddenly we're back to all these experts and they're like it's an unknown what happened to these people and it extends far beyond just kids there's not going to be any one particular person that can shed light onto a lot of the phenomenon that's going on we're talking about a, a very large even worldwide collective of information here no one can really speak to the strange phenomena happening. And I'm like, wait, so this was a spooky documentary? Like, what was the point of this? Like, the Dior story needs to be told. I, I, I want everyone to be found. I want justice for everyone. Yeah. But there's a weird, weird disconnect between what happens in the national parks yes. and what happened with Dior. And I will just say this one last thing. The FBI did get involved in the case of Dior Jr. And they got involved to investigate and then decided that there wasn't really any evidence of a crime and they weren't going to be pursuing any criminal charges. So nobody's been charged with anything. And I gave it a gook today. In 2020, it was the five-year anniversary of Dior missing. Jess and Dior Sr. have split up. Remember how they were going to get married next month? Oh. They're not together anymore. Yeah. I, I say that I, I don't mean to be cold, but like that checks out. That could yeah. totally destroy. A yeah, that sucks. Or if they're garbage, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very confused. This is why I hate the missing people stuff. I never know what to think. I like, I like when I know how I feel. Am I mad? Am I sad? Am I what? Now I'm just confused, and that's not fun. <laughs> missing 411 it's so sad and it's so at the same time it's so gripping like what the fuck is happening we also <laughs> learned that there's no records of like all the people that have gone missing in national parks this is like a thing and there's no accounting for it it's bananas can someone make the documentary that this was supposed to be because i'm interested <laughs> if anyone has any spare time i'd appreciate it Thank you. you guys if you want more fun laughs good times fun laughs good times Join GP and me on the Pates. It's like 150 full bonus episodes to download a binge at the $5 level right now. Yeah, you get all those long form series that we're always talking about. The Jinx, Making a Murderer, Don't F with Cats, Tiger King, The Vow, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. You get ad-free versions of these episodes. You yep. get after parties, quarantine check-ins, Zoom hangs. We're just like all around. You're on a roll right now. <laughs> I gotta be amped up about something. This documentary is 
Audrey was a snoozer. You guys find us on the internet at uh, truecrimeobsessed.com. You get all the episodes, all the mm-hmm. promo codes for our ads, our sponsors. If you're ever looking for them, you can find them there. Find our merch. Follow us on Instagram at True Crime Obsessed Podcast. Follow Jillian on all the things at Jillian with a G. Yeah, and you are Patrick Hines underscore on Insta and at Patrick Hines on Twitter. And we donate um, everything we get from our merch, by the way. That's right. It goes to these great charities. Girl, what are we doing next? Do you know? We are doing. Are you ready for this, girl? Oh, God. What is it? The Trials of Ted Haggard. I don't know anything about this. What is it? Ted Haggard was that asshole from Jesus Camp who was like preaching about how the gays oh, are like going to burn in hell. Yes, and then he and he's, right. a, he's a gay himself, which is yes. great. But like, don't <laughs> preach about how gays are terrible. They're going to be gay. Oh, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, stay tuned for the trailer for that, for the outtakes for this. And girl, I love you. I miss you. I love you and I miss you. And again, if you have the time, could you make that documentary? Thanks. <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. One of the most powerful evangelical leaders of our time. Please welcome, I'm living a pretty good life. I love this. But one shocking scandal brought his world crashing down. Reverend Ted Haggard said that he bought crystal meth from Mike Jones, the male prostitute who says Haggard paid him for sex. I went there for a massage. What we have here is someone who in leadership has failed the standard that he lifted up for himself. He just needs to disappear. So this is my new life. Village Inn, Motel 6 or 8. I didn't make any money this week. Lost money big time. Lost money I don't have. Gay, straight, bisexual, what are you, Ted Haggard? I stuck with him because I believe you fight for the good. Somebody struggling with sin is the purpose that the church is on earth. Now I've lost my career, I've lost my social standing, I've lost all my positions. So in this stage of my life, I'm a loser. Don't ask me to stay on the phone. No, I have. I need my just because you're not drinking marks doesn't mean I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I need my mark to handle the drama of you being in a pool of marks. Like, where are we? Is it just a gigantic champagne glass? That's what it seems like. Just filled with marks. You guys, TikTok death drop o'clock. Somebody find it, put it back in the Facebook group. I think we it need comes it. You guys, up at like every we six weeks need now. It. <laughs> we went like a year and a half with no one knowing about it, and now it's like every six weeks like clockwork. <laughs> Anyway, as I said, he is flailing in a huge batch of frozen and margarita. I don't. As I said, I can't talk right now. They're waiting for me to do the shot. They're waiting for me. Everyone has the lime in their hand. They're ready to go. I can't save him. That's why I called you. <laughs> the most camping I've ever done was watching True Beverly Hills on a loop when I was thirteen. Oh, same. Yeah, I was. I. <laughs> Writers, screenwriters, can we cut out the whole, there's only one way to find out? I never need to hear that in a movie. That's ridiculous. It's so cheesy. No one has ever said that in real life, ever. Don't, don't worry about it. I don't know, but there's only one way to find out. All right, there's got to be a better way. It's like a picnic table, a fire pit, and like a row of trees and a creek. And that's what's there. That's what you drove all this way for. That's a creek, right? Yes. yes. Okay. You know the thing that really gets me about being a parent, especially to Daisy? I am expected to share everything I have with her. She won't share anything with me. We had bagels the other day. I had to give her half my bagel. Then I asked her if I could have a bite. She said no. And not only did she say no, she started to cry. She's not a good sharer. Unless no. you're super hot husband, Mike. Then I, you can have anything. But for the 
most part, she doesn't love the sharing. No, is that me? Is that a reflection of my parenting? No, she's a kid. I would say, like, welcome to the world of being an only child, but yeah. I, I don't, I think I was a pretty good sharer. I don't she's know. She's not. She's Who not can remember? Good she's not. She's like, no. I, like, for a fact, like, I'll go on the record. She's not a good sharer. But she has time. Also, who cares? Who is she seeing? It's quarantine. It doesn't matter.